Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Stand with us. Let's begin our worship with a song called Glorious Day.
All right, thank you so much, worship team. Good morning, Capital Church. How's everyone doing? Man, good. It's so good to see everyone, and uh, so glad that you're here. We've been praying for you this week, uh, that God just do something special in this place among our our church family together. Uh, we're excited about what this day means and, and all that, that we, we kind of kick off this week with C groups um, and so forth. So be praying for all of that. We're really pumped. And again, next chapter for our church. Uh, but man, we are excited that you're here today. This is just not just any ordinary day. This is the Lord's day. When we gather as the church to worship and celebrate and to grow with one another, that's really special. So thank you so much for choosing to be here today in God's house. If you are a guest today, um, we want to welcome you. Um, and again, we, we celebrate you and thank you for joining us today here. There's a little card in the chair back in front of you, a little connect card. If you could... Fill that out, and then after service, there's a little guest counter right out these back doors. Uh, go turn that in, and we would love to tell you all about our church and what's going on, from C groups to our Wednesday night Bible studies to all the other events that are going on throughout the week. Uh, we just want to make sure that you get connected and that you have a group of people that you can do life with, all right? We love our church. We love our family. We want you to be a part of it as well. So real fast, let's all stand up real fast, and uh, we're going to ask God's anointing on our church services today. It's so good to see you guys. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you. And again, thank you so much for bringing us back together today here this Sunday, God. Um, I know that you have something special in store for us. And Lord, we're ready. And Lord, so in, this, in these next few moments, uh, receive all of our praise and our worship. Help us to, be, uh, to open up a heart of thanks to you, God, to be able to look back on this past week. And, uh, and know that you were there with us every single step of the way. No matter how difficult the problem was or how much joy that we had in the celebrations we, that we partook in, God, we just know that you were there and we celebrate that today. We're, we celebrate salvation, we celebrate your son, and we're so thankful that we have a redeemer in Jesus Christ. We are so blessed to be called your children and to call you our father, God. We love you so much. Be with our pastor today as he brings the message. Allow him to speak boldly and clearly and help us to receive everything that you want us to hear today, God. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Hey, before we continue singing, why don't you turn around and greet some of those around you. Good to see you guys.
know, it's kind of what I'm looking for this morning is the words to say because I don't say much up here. I just sing. God, give me a little bit of a voice just to carry a noise. People say you sing. No, I just carry a noise. You may see a joyful noise unto the Lord. And that's what he wants. He wants us to give us his all because guess what? He gave us everything. He gave us literally our shirts on our bags. He gave us everything, and he's famous for so many things, but if you were to write the book this morning, you'd be here for probably 10 years at least before you got started. I just want to say thank you, Lord, this morning for giving me my breath, for giving me my family, for giving me my, for being able to see my grandkids raised up, for being able to see your family raised up, and to watch and tantalize them, all of them. I love tantalizing kids, if you haven't noticed yet. But that's just being around them, seeing them grow up, seeing them flourish in God's Word, seeing this church provide the nurturing and the, and the place where they can, can be taught. Because that's what we do as Christians. That's what we do as being God's people. God's chosen. God chose us because we are his child. And God, you are his child this morning. If you just let him, just open the door and let him in because he's famous for all this stuff. And he can take care of any, any and everything that you've ever wanted to know about. Just let him. Praise the Lord.
thankfulness and we know that you're in this place and we know that you're surrounding us right now with your presence and we know that you have people here today that need to hear your word and need to hear what you have to say to them maybe they're sick maybe they're I don't know Lord you know what they need you know everything and can do everything Lord God and I pray that you would watch over this service. I pray that you would fill Brother Will with the breath of your life, Lord God, and I pray that hearts would be softened, minds would be open, Lord God. I thank you for everything that you've done in my life, and I thank you for everything that you've done for the church, Lord God. That's all we can give, and in your name I pray, amen.
bad? Pretty good. Good little video Devin and I put together on Friday afternoon. That's, that's supposed to be funny and y'all didn't laugh. How's everybody good? You good? Everybody good? Fantastic. I, I was walking around this morning and, and couldn't help but notice a lot of you, man, you look like your best friend just died. I mean, everybody's kind of having a sad day no matter what state you live in. It didn't go good yesterday. So, you know, it, what it reminded me of is a, a Mayberry show I, I saw just this past week, little Opie, little bitty in this episode, and they're having field day at his school. And so Barney's going to train Opie so he can win all these races. And uh, y'all know, y'all remember this one? So he puts him through training and, and Barney gets on a bike and Opie starts running. And later on you see Opie's still running and Barney can't ride the bike anymore, you know? So anyway, he trains him the night before the big uh, field day, Opie has this dream and he dreams that he wins all the races and they're pinning all these medals on him. And his, his front front of his t-shirt is full of medals and he's won the last race and there's no place to put it so he turns around and they put the medal on his back because he has so many he was so excited the day of field day and he went for the very first event and uh, he lined up for the 50-yard dash and he's racing three other kids and they blow him away Opie comes in last place and he's so disappointed he doesn't even stay for the rest of the competition he mopes home and when Andy and Aunt B get back home, there Opie is kind of slouched on the couch. Aunt B asks him if he wants something to eat. And he's so depressed he can't eat anything. I can tell Andy's getting a little aggravated in his boy. And so he sits down and he says, son, I need to teach you a lesson about life. He said, you're not always going to win. We need to hear that. You're going to lose every once in a while. And what makes a man is not how he wins, but how he loses. That'd be a good sermon. Some of y'all can experience that today. It's okay. It's okay if your team didn't win yesterday because in the end, we win. Uh, it's about as good as I can be in encouraging you. So, Hey, today I am going to talk to you about being your best. I hope you did enjoy the video. Today is a landmark day at Kavanaugh Church. We're doing something new, something we've never done before, and that is we're starting C groups or Kavanaugh groups. They start this week. Some of them are going to be meeting today. Others of them are meeting throughout the week. Our challenge is for you to get plugged into a small group so that you can do life together. <clears throat> and over the next eight weeks, we're going to be studying this manual we put together on our core values. If you walk out in the big lobby and look at that far wall, we have the seven core values of Kavanaugh Church. Over the next seven weeks, I'm going to be preaching on each one of those values. And then in your small group, your C group, you're going to do further study on that particular topic or that value. <clears throat> and it, <clears throat> excuse me, it all starts today. The first topic is going to be on small groups. That, that's what I'm going to preach on today, why you need to be a part of a small group. And the passage I want to share with you is what you'll be studying in your small group lesson this week. It's from Acts chapter 2. So let's read this story, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 40. Uh, the Holy Spirit has just descended. It's the day of Pentecost. The church has begun, and here is the result of that. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, 
be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to the church. Isn't that amazing? In one day, 3,000 people got right with Jesus. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking of bread. And they prayed together as well. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now all who had believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods, and they divided among all of them as anyone had need, which is a pretty cool idea. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church every single day people who are being saved. Isn't that amazing? Heavenly Father, I pray that you do the same thing here at Kavanaugh Church. Help us to do life together with you and with one another. Help us to be a good witness for you and share Jesus in every place that we go so that you would be adding to the church every day those who are being saved. I love you and I pray that you'd speak to hearts today in Jesus' name, amen. So we are going to look at small groups, but really what I want to do is talk to you about three spiritual disciplines that I believe are absolutely essential for your spiritual health. Now I've been a Christian for 55 years and I've known thousands and thousands of other believers. And what I am about to share with you this morning is the one single common denominator of every growing believer in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who the person is, what their age is, or what country they live in. You will find these three things in every growing, dynamic Christian. And I don't believe any one of them is optional. I think if you're serious about the Christian life, you've got to build these three disciplines or holy habits into your life. I told the first service years ago, seven, eight years ago, I was, I was really kind of going through a low point in my own personal life. Uh, there were no problems here at the church. I didn't have any problems at home. I just had problems with me. Nobody, nobody knows me problems, do they? I was kind of down in a funk, and, and, and I was in a rut, and I was really frustrated with myself. So I, was, I was talking to a buddy of mine over in Oklahoma who was a pastor. He said, Will, I've got a good friend who is a life coach. Now, I'd heard the term life coach, but I didn't think I would ever need a life coach. He said, but Will, you just need to talk to the guy. He, he can help you. Man, he's really helped me. And so I called the guy up, we, we set a time, a place that we were going to get together, and I spent the day with this life coach, all right? And honestly, he did help me. He, he allowed me to see my life from a different perspective. And I came away from that meeting with that life coach that day saying this, I want to be the best me that I can possibly be. And I still feel that way today. I want to be the best Will Harmon that I can be. I want to be the best me I can be for my wife, for my children, for my grandbabies. 
I want to be the best pastor that I can be for you, my church. I want to be the best me that I can be for me, but most of all, I want to be the best Christian I can be for the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, I want that to be your desire, for you to be the very best you that you can be. And it can't be done without these three spiritual disciplines being developed in our life. We don't like the word discipline, do we? I mean, I've turned half of you off just using the word discipline. We don't like that. So let's call them holy habits. We need to develop these holy habits in our life to be the best we can be. And what do they deal with? They deal with your time, your money, and your relationships. Your time, your money, and your relationships. In these three areas, you need to develop some good habits. Because if God is number one in your time, and if God is number one in your finances, and if God is number one in your relationships, you know what? He's going to be number one in your life. But if he's not number one in your time, not number one in your money, and not number one in your relationships, he's not number one in your life. I don't care what you say. He's got to be number one in these three key areas. So today, together, right now, you and me, let's develop some good holy habits. We're not going on until everybody's in. Are we in? And you know what? I hope you have an aha moment in this message. You're, you're probably not going to have an aha moment with these three key words that I give you because you know this stuff. Okay? We know this. I'm just reminding you of what you need to grow. But I hope during this time, you do have one of those moments where a light bulb comes on and says, okay, that's how it applies in my life. So are we ready to grow in three areas? Number one, we just need to grow. We need to grow as believers. We call this discipleship. I need to go grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I need to get time with God every single day. Okay? Hang on to these words I'm saying. Every day I need time alone with God. Every day I need to spend time with God. For what? Well, for Bible reading, for prayer, and for personal worship. I need time with God every day, reading his word, talking to him, and worshiping him. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. This verse commands us, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's not optional. It's a commandment. We are to grow in our relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Now, with each one of these disciplines, I'm going to talk to you about the reason for doing it, the routine of how you do it, and then the result, what you get out of it. Let's talk about the reason for this first one, the reason for getting time alone with God every day. It is so that you can get to know God, for you to have a personal relationship with God, and for you to get direction from the God of the universe. Listen to Psalm 25, verse 4. The psalmist says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me. He's asking God to do three things for him there. Show me your ways, teach me your paths, and lead me. 
And my friend, there is no way God can show you which way you need to go, teach you what you need to know, and to lead you if you're not spending time with him every single day. And can I back up right here and say, nobody's going to make you do this. This is something you have to do on your own. You've got to have enough hunger in your own soul, enough discipline in your own life that you give God 15, 20, 30 minutes a day, maybe an hour a day. You've got to do it on your own. It's got to be something you discipline yourself to do. Now, Jason, we could, we could make an assignment with the staff and divide up our membership and every day call everybody in the church and say, have you had your devotions today? But I know you guys, y'all would block our calls. When I had little kids at home, I could kind of force them into having their daily devotions. They're grown and gone now. I can't do that. I can't even force my wife into having her devotions. Because we're not made that way. This is something you've got to desire on your own. And the reason you have it is so that you can get to know God and get direction from Him. Sometimes we get so busy in life that we forget what we really ought to be doing. We forget what's most important in life. We lose direction. We're like the pilot in World War II flying over the Pacific. He radioed back. I have absolutely no idea where I'm going. I'm lost, but I sure am making good time. Many times we get busy. Were you so busy this past week you didn't know how you were going to get everything done? Come on. You know what you need to do? You need to slow down and get direction from God. And the only way you can do that is by spending time with him on a daily basis. How do you do that? Well, you talk to God through prayer. You have a conversation with him. I think for most Christians, prayer is one of the most difficult spiritual disciplines that we have because Satan has fed us the lie, you can't talk to a holy God. You don't know how to address God. You don't know how to pray, and, and so we just don't do it. Did you know that talking to God really is one of the easiest things to do? Because God knows everything. He, he is the most intelligent being you could ever talk to. And so you just talk to him. You, you tell him what's on your mind. You tell him the, the fears that you have for that day, the challenges that are before you. Talk to him about your finances. Talk to him about your kids. All you have to do is talk to him. That's what prayer is. And then Bible reading, you know what that is? That's allowing God to talk back to you. Because this is his word. He, he, he is speaking as you're reading. And you can't use the excuse, well, I just have a hard time reading. Because you can listen to the Bible now off your phone. Prayer is just talking to God. Reading the Bible is listening to God. And through that, we get direction. And that's the reason we have daily devotions. What's the routine? Well, the routine is that every day you get alone with God. Every day you have a quiet time with Him. And Jesus is our example here. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. There's a famous Bible preacher named G. Campbell Morgan who commented on that verse and said, as was his custom. Jesus did that on a regular basis. It was his habit to get alone with God. You really can't get to know God 
in a crowd very easy. You get to know God on a one-on-one basis. And notice that it tells us Jesus did it often. He often withdrew. Nobody had a busier life than Jesus. But his quiet time was his source of strength. Jesus had to have that time with his Father. And let me tell you something. If Jesus had to have it, you and I desperately need that time with God. So that's the routine. Every day, every day you get alone with God. Every day you spend time with God. What's the result of that? Well, you do get to know God better. And along with that, you get his help, his direction. You receive his strength. Look at John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask for anything that you wish and you will have it. Wow, really? Anything that you wish and you can have it? That that is an incredible promise, church. Does God lie? No, absolutely not. He says you can ask for whatever you wish and I'll give it to you. I know what you're thinking. Then why haven't I gotten it? Well, it's because I've got to meet the premise. Did you know with every promise in the Bible, there is a premise that goes along with it? God says, you do this, and then I'll do this. And there is a condition for every promise that is given in the Bible. He says in this verse, if you do these two things, then I will give you what you're asking for. What are the two things? If you remain in me, and if my words remain in you. Jesus said, you remain in me. That is, you talk to me every day. You have fellowship with me every day. You get alone with me every day. You remain in me. And if my words remain in you, that is, you soak up what I'm telling you. You soak up the word of God. You spend time in my word every day. Then you can ask for whatever you will, and it will be done unto you. So there you go. Every day we need a quiet time. If you want to be the best you can be in your relationship with God, every day you need time alone with God. I can't tell you how many times people have asked me, well, when's the best time to have a quiet time? And my answer is the best time to have a quiet time is when you're at your best. It's pretty practical. So whenever you're at your best, you need to give that time to God. Give God the best time that you have. For me, it's early in the morning. Now, I can tell you, it's not always been early in the morning, but as I've gotten older, things have changed, all right? Now, when I wake up in the morning, I'd let JoJo out, get me a cup of coffee, and after I've had a couple of swigs of coffee, I'm really at my best. It goes downhill after that. But guess who gets the first part of my day? God does. I go sit in my chair in the living room, and it's just me and God. Sometimes I make the mistake of letting JoJo come join me for quiet time. And that's never good. I have to put her back outside. But you know what? My best time is morning time, and that's the time that God gets. Why? Because I want to give God my best, and I need that time with God every day single day now is this simple enough for us if you want to be the best you you can be you've got to have a daily quiet time with God it has to be a holy habit 
a spiritual discipline that you build in to the rhythm of your life. Every day, I'm spending time with God. Number two, you've got to learn how to give. Now, one of our core values is generosity, and we're going to come to that here in a few weeks. If you want to be like God, you've got to be generous because our God is generous. Today, I want to talk about giving on a weekly basis. You've got to learn how to give a tithe to God every week if you want to be the best you you can be. Now, I've lost half of you right there because you hate it anytime anybody talks about your money. Can I remind you, it's not really yours to begin with. So just open up your heart, open up your head, allow the Holy Spirit to speak this word into you because I think during this time you might have an aha moment as we talk about giving a tithe once a week. Let me begin by saying what a tithe is. Tithing is the spiritual habit of giving back to God the first 10% of what I make. So if I make $100, the first $10 of that goes to the Lord. If I make $1,000, I give God $100 back. I get to keep 90% of it, and I give God 10% of it. Now, why in the world would anybody do that? I'm waiting for an answer. I mean, why would we do that? Why why would we give God the first 10% and try to live off the 90%? There you go. That's the answer because God said so. And you know what? That's reason enough. And if you don't do that and you're a Christian, guess what? You're disobeying God. Most of your financial problems could be fixed if you would just do what God tells you to do with your money. But I'll come to that. The reason we do it is because God said to, but, but let me just stretch it out and talk a little more about the reason. The reason for tithing is for you to draw close to God. God established this because he wants to be as close to you as he possibly can be. And God knows there's one thing that stands between you and him, and that's money. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, words of Jesus, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The Bible says whatever you put your treasure in, wherever you put your money, that's where your heart is. So if all of my money is going to my boat or my guns or my motorcycle or my stuff, that's where my affection is. Wherever I put my money, that's what is important to me. Everybody with me? So if I put God first in my money, it means literally that God is first in my life. And if I come every week with the first 10% of my money and I give it back to God, that is saying, God, you're first in my life. You're more important to me than anything else. And I'm not, I'm not a know-it-all, and I'm not trying to act like a know-it-all, but you show me how you spend your time and how you spend your money, and I can pretty much tell you what's important in your life. No matter what you say is important, 
show me your daily schedule, how you spend your time, and show me your checkbook stubs, and I will tell you what's really important in your life. Deuteronomy 14.23 tells us that the purpose of tithing is to always teach us to put God first in our life. And so if, if I say, God, I want you to be number one in my life, but he is last in my budget, that's a contradiction. And if I say, God, I want you first place in my life and in my family, but I'm not tithing, I'm simply tipping, that is a contradiction. The Bible teaches that giving is the antidote to materialism. And did you know that's what we face every day? The, the world teaches us materialism, that, that money is God. The materialism of this world says, get, 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 get all you can. It doesn't matter who you have to squish to get it, you just get it. And the only antidote to that mentality and that thinking is giving. Because giving is the opposite of getting as I learn to hold things with an open hand and to give away and return the first part back to God, it breaks the grip of materialism in my life. It makes me like God. You say, how so, preacher? Well, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave. If you want to be like God, you need to be a giver. So that's the reason. The reason I give is to be like God, to draw close to God. What's the routine for tithing? Every week, every week. 1 Corinthians 16.1, on the first day of every week. Now, it doesn't say the first day of every month or of every year or at the end of the tax time. It says every week. You set aside some of what you have earned and you give it as an offering every week. That is a holy habit we are to do weekly. The habit of giving a tithe to God every week. We have a daily devotion every day. Every day I get time with God. Every week on the first day of the week, I am to bring a tithe back to God. Now, you're probably wondering, again, what day do we do that? Well, it's on the first day. What is the first day? The first day is Sunday. Why Sunday? Well, that's the day you come to worship. When you come to worship God at his house, you bring a tithe with you. You're not to pay a tithe to the United Way or to some other club or organization. You are to give the tithe to the church that you belong to. It's an act of worship. On the first day of the week, you bring your tithe to God in his house. Now, why should I do this weekly? I can remember not long ago we talked about this, doing it weekly. Let me repeat what I said a few years ago. God wants me to be reminded every seven days that he's number one. I'm, I'm hoping this is an aha moment for all of us. God established this so that every seven days I am reminded that God is number one. What if we're paid bi-monthly or monthly? Very, very few people are paid by the week anymore. What, what does it say? It says, set aside some of what you have earned and you bring it on the first day of the week to worship as an offering. So if you make $1,000 a month and you get paid once a month, 
you set aside your tithe, which is $100, and you break it up into quarters, $25, $25, 25 25 You set it aside, and when you come to church on Sunday, you bring that 25 bucks and you give it to the Lord. Why not give it all at once? Because God wants us to be reminded once a week that he is number one in our life. And so every week, you're to bring an offering and give it to God. It's the way God set it up. He's helping us, reminding us that he has to be number one in our life. That's the routine. And if you're not doing that, let me, let me just challenge you to do that. When you come into God's house, you bring the best you have. That means you come in here with a good attitude, a smile on your face, You've been worshiping him every single day, so this is just the cherry on top of the whipping cream on top of the ice cream. And you come and you bring the best you have. You bring him 10% of what you've earned this past week and present it to God as an offering. And when you drop it in that black box back there, you just, you just, you just swell up with spiritual love and pride and say, Lord, this is the this is the best I have. You've given it to me this week. Thank you for allowing me to earn this money. And I'm giving back 10% to you just to let you know your first place in my life. Amen. What's the result of this discipline? Malachi 3.10. It says, bring your whole tithe into my storehouse. Check this out. God says, test me in this. And see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room to receive it. You know what God is doing right there? He's saying, I dare you. I double dog dare you. Let me tell you, God knows how we are with money. God knows that if there's one thing that's going to come between him and us, it's going to be money. God knows that we're very private about our money and that some of you have been squirming for the last seven minutes waiting for me to go on to point number three because you don't like me talking about your money. God says, test me in this. You give me 10% back and you just watch and see what I do with the 90% that's left. You know, I, I, can't, I can't really explain it. All I know is that for 50 plus years I've been doing it and it is amazing how God takes care of his children when they put him first in finances. Did you know there are more promises in the Bible about giving than any other subject? And if you want God's blessing on your life, this is a discipline that you're going to have to develop. You get time with God every day and you give a tithe to God every week. Every growing Christian that I know has a quiet time and they pay their tithes. Now, I don't have to tell you that things are tough economically right now. Do I? I mean, you know that. Every time you go to the grocery store, you know it. When you pull up to get gas, you understand. And I will tell you, I am no economic advisor, but I can tell you what the Bible says. And so here's my best Bible advice. If you want to make it in a tough, tight economy, the best insurance you can have is you put God first in your finances. My challenge for some of you is to go beyond the tithe. Tithe is what we're required. Years ago, I went beyond the tithe, and now I'm a grace giver. 
Because I realize you can't outgive God. I've tried. You can't do it, man. So let me just expand your brain and your faith and challenge you perhaps to become a grace giver. You say, God, I'm going to do what you said to do, and I'm going to trust you to help me make it financially. I can't think of a better financial policy than that. There are more promises in the Bible regarding this than anything else. And I'll say it again, you can't outgive God. So if you're going to be dynamic in the Christian life, you need a time with God every day. Every day, give God the best of your time. You need to bring a tithe to God every week. And then number three, here it is, here's what we've been waiting on. You need to bond with other Christians. You need to get together with other believers on a regular basis. We call this fellowship, community, where you share and care together in both a large group and a small group. What's the reason for this? Well, Hebrews chapter 10, 25 gives us the reason. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together. That dot, dot, dot there, what is actually there is as some are in the manner of doing or some are in the habit of doing. Let, let's not do that. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Did you hear me? Do you ever need to be encouraged? Yeah, like every day? I mean, we need that, don't we? Every day things happen to us that can discourage us, disappoint us, pull us down. That's what the world is doing. It's, it's pulling us down. We need encouragement. Life can be tough. Discouragement is around every corner. And the fact is, you're never going to be an effective Christian if you try to do life alone because the world is just going to keep pulling you down. You need encouragement. You need other believers to come alongside you and to lift you up. You need other godly people in your life to speak words of encouragement into your heart. Life was not meant to be lived alone. You need community. You need encouragement. And so, you know what? Sometimes you can just see it on people's face. And why, don't, why don't you speak that encouragement into their life? I'm looking at several sad people. That's what, I'm, that's what I tried to do with that opening story about Opie. It's going to be okay. Your team is going to win again. I'm trying to be funny and you're not letting me be. So the first service, Brother Nathan shared with me uh, before church about a friend of ours, a preacher friend of ours, is having a really bad day today. It's a tough day for him. I didn't know it, but after Nathan told me, you know what I'm going to do this afternoon? I'm going to send this preacher friend a text message and encourage him to tell him, hey, buddy, what, whatever it is you're facing, you've got a friend in Fort Smith praying for you. I'm lifting you up. Maybe give him a Bible verse or two to think about. Because you know what? We all need it. Every single one of us, we, we need encouragement. I'll never forget the first time I went out to California to preach. A, a preacher friend of mine had a church in Fresno, and he invited me to go out and do a, a marriage uh, seminar and then preach a revival at his church. And while I was there, 
he took me up to the redwood forest and I got to see those giant redwood trees for the first time. I'd seen them on TV, I'd heard about them, but there's nothing like seeing those giant humongous trees with your own eyes. The most intriguing thing is in one of those trees they had, they had cut this, this hole at the bottom and you could literally drive a car through it. These trees are massive. And while we were at the gift shop up there, one of the guys in the church bought me this book on the redwood forest and on redwood trees. And on the way home on the airplane, I read about it and I was intrigued to find out that these redwood trees do not have deep roots. Because I I thought by looking at them, I thought, man, their roots must go down a mile. They're so big and they're so huge and they face such violent storms for them to remain standing. They've got to have a deep root system, but they don't. Their roots go out this way, and they intertwine with other giant trees' roots. And so literally, these massive trees are holding each other up. Ding, ding, ding. Aha moment in my mind. Perfect picture of fellowship. Every one of us needs that kind of support system in our life. We need to enter mingle our lives in the lives of others who will encourage us and build us up and help us through difficult times. A snowflake is frail. I'm not going to comment on the generation called snowflakes, no. But a single snowflake is nothing. You, You just wipe it off and go on. But you get enough snowflakes that stick together They can stop traffic on I-40. Are you with me? I may not be much by myself, and I can't do very much on my own, but you put me together with like-minded brothers and sisters, and in Christ, we are unstoppable. Oh, we need each other. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. I meet people all the time who say, you know what, I really don't need the church. It doesn't matter if I'm there or if I'm not there. I can miss one week and be there the next week. It's no big deal. Let me tell you, it is a big deal. Every week when you're not together with other believers, you're opening the door for the devil to come into your life and to discourage you and to steal from you, to take your joy away from you. Every time you're not here, you're opening up yourself to this world, and this world seeks to destroy you. You need, I understand, we needle one another. There are some people in this room that just aggravate aggravate the snot out of you. Maybe I aggravate you. Have you ever thought that you aggravate me? But that's beside the point. We needle one another, but you know what? We need one another. We, we need this kind of fellowship. You're going to dry up spiritually when you miss being with other believers in the house of God. What is the routine? Well, the routine is that you come together in big church and in homes. Acts 5.42, they met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. The point is they met day after day. They didn't just meet on Sundays. They met whenever they could meet. If all the contact you have is with other Christians on a Sunday morning, you're not getting enough contact with other Christians. You need more than just a Sunday fix. 
You need more than just once a week the infusion of a positive influence in your life. You need a big group coming together like we are right now so that you can say, I am part of something significant. But you can't really share your prayer request in this group with this many people. You can't really become intimate with other people and intertwine your life with theirs and pray for them. You can't get to know everybody in this group. So you need a small group. That's where our church needs to be larger and smaller at the same time. We need to come together to celebrate and worship. We need to get bigger. We need to reach more people. But at the same time, we have to be smaller as well. You need to be in a C group, a small group. What's the result of all this? Well, the result of getting together with other believers is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, which says, two are better off than one because together they are much more effective. If you want to be more effective in your Christian life, then you know what? You need other believers. Why? Because we're better together. That's where strength comes. Strength is in numbers. For a Christian to say, I don't need any other Christians. I don't need a church. I don't need a small group. You know what? That, that's spiritual suicide. You're just kidding yourself. We need each other. You need this once a week, but you also need a small group so that you can be the best you you can be. I was able to talk to our Bass Club this past Monday. Bass Club is the oldest, longest legit, uh, longevity of, a, of any club or any group in our church. You know that? Bass Club's been meeting since 1792 <laughs> at Kavanaugh Church. So I was talking to the Bass Club on, on uh, Monday night, and I, I told them a story of when I first started playing football. It was in the fifth grade, Emerson Elementary School, Midland, Texas. We couldn't start playing football till the fifth grade because they didn't think that a kid was developed enough, strong enough to play until they reached the fifth grade. Today, we don't care. We send our first graders out there because <laughs> we, we want them to be the best football player they can be. Anyway, fifth grade, my first day of practice, I'll, I'll never forget, our coach taught us the proper stance in football. Feet, shoulder width apart, one foot right behind the other one, and you're balanced. He said, you guys, he made us all do this, and he'd go around and push on us. And of course, he'd knock us down because he's a lot bigger. But anyway, that was it. That's what we learned first practice. Second practice, we learned how to gang tackle team tackle because we were all little squirts I mean we were we were little bitty kids the biggest kid on our team was Herbie Pierce he was our fullback all the rest of us were little squirts and our coach knew who we were going to be playing that season he knew that team on the south side of Midland that had fifth graders who were actually eighth graders because they had flunked a few years <laughs> And he knew we had no chance of tackling those big boys unless we learned how to team tackle. And so he told, I'll, I'll never, it was like yesterday, man. He told B.B. Langsford, we called him B.B. because his name was Buford Bernard. <laughs> I can't believe his mom and dad named him Buford Bernard, but we called him B.B. Coach said, B.B., 
That running back comes through here, you just grab his leg and hang on. Don't let go for nothing, man. You just hang on as tight as you can because the rest of the boys, they're going to come over there and they're going to jump on him and together you're going to tackle him. It's called team tackling. And it, it was funny. I can think back now. That's the way we tackled every single game. One of us would grab a hold. He would drag. Somebody else would jump on. He'd keep dragging. It was not until Herbie came and leveled the guy that we actually got him down. And at the end of that practice, he started this thing that we did every practice. And it was, it's kind of cool because I don't guess coaching has changed. When Zane started playing football in the second grade over here at Evans Boys Club, his coach, Coach Bill, ended every practice doing the same thing. You'd tackle the man with the ball. You'd give one kid the ball and say, run, and everybody tackled him. Now, we didn't call it tackle the man with the ball. We called it something that I can't repeat this morning because it's socially, politically incorrect to say what we used to call it. Anybody remember what? Don't say it. Do y'all remember it? Rhymes. Team tackling. Now, why in the world am I going on and on and on about this? Because I know you're interested in my boyhood. No, it's because of this. This week... I'd say probably 55% of y'all are going to face something big in your life, something that will knock you down, something that you can't handle on your own. And if you don't face it this week, before this next month is over with, you're probably going to face something like that. And by yourself, you can't handle it. Just on your own, it's going to level you. It's going to knock your clock off. So you need some brothers and sisters who really do care for you, who love you and support you and want to be there for you. And you can share these problems with them. They can pray for you. And then when that bad thing does happen, they're right there with you. They're going to be there before the church staff shows up. Why? Because they're a part of your life. We say this all the time at Kavanaugh Church. I, I don't know how somebody who doesn't have the Lord in their life makes it through life. Because we need the Lord, but you know what? Along with that, we've got each other. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? If you want to be the best you can be in your relationship with God, you've got to have these three holy habits. You've got to spend time with God every day. You need to bring a tithe every week, and you've got to get together with other believers on a regular basis, both in a big group setting and a small group setting, where you do life together. That's where C groups come in. And my challenge to you is this, find a group. You know, I've really struggled with how we're going to do this and whether it's going to be successful or not. We tried to make it as simple as possible. So we asked different groups to host C groups all over, all over the River Valley. Some are meeting in, in, in Barling, some are meeting down in, in Lavac or in Greenwood. Others are meeting here in, in Fort Smith in their homes or at different restaurants. Others are meeting up here at the church. All you need to do is find a group that works for you. Yeah, some of them are going to be meeting on Sundays. There's two groups meeting right now. You can't go to those groups because you're in this service. But this afternoon, there's going to be groups that meet at 4 o'clock, another group that meets at 6 o'clock. 
Tomorrow night, there are going to be groups that meet. Tuesday night, there are going to be groups that meet. Thursday and Friday, you just find a group that works for you and get plugged into it. Dude, it's only eight weeks. You can do it for eight weeks. I challenge you. Test me in this, (laughs) says the preacher. And just see what God does in your life when you open up your heart, not only to God, but to other people. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're in this room this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. I invite you to come and do that. Be saved. That that changes everything. After you're saved, you need to start growing to be the best you can be. And, And these three areas are required. That you have a daily quiet time. That you give God the first 10% on the first day of the week. And that you commit yourself to a small group. I invite you to come to the altar and settle those issues with the Lord this morning. And say, Lord, I want to be the best me that I can be. So help me in these three areas. Help me with my time. Help me with my money. And help me in my relationships. And then for the rest of us who just have some big old problems we're dealing with, God wants to hear about those, so come and talk to him about them. You'll be better afterwards, I guarantee you, because he'll help you. Heavenly Father, help my friends to come this morning and help them to learn to depend on you. Help us in these three disciplines that deal with our time, our money, and our relationships. Help us to put you first in all three areas. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. If you are hosting a small group, would you just come to the altar right now? I want to pray over you. And then for the rest of us who need to come and pray and make commitments to the Lord in regards to these areas, you come and gather around these hosts and we'll pray for you as well. As they sing, come on, come on. There is no fear because I believe in you today. I pray that you would do what you are famous for in all of our lives. Lord, I lift up these hosts who are going to be uh, hosting small groups in their home or at church or at an off-site location. Lord, I pray that you would just anoint them with with the gift of hospitality and fellowship. I pray that uh, 
they would be a blessing to their small groups. I pray that you would use them as they share the lessons on a weekly basis. And dear Lord, for all of our people, I, I pray that we would give ourselves to these three holy habits that involve our time, our money, and our relationships. Lord, help us to put you first in all three of these areas so that we can be the best that you've called us to be. I love you so much, Lord. Please, may your blessings be poured out on Kavanaugh Church. May this day go down in the history of Kavanaugh Church as one of the great days when we started C groups and it changed the fabric of our church. I love you, Lord. Commit everything to you and we do it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Cool. Everybody good? Come on, give me one of these if we're all good. Good, good, good deal. Thank you, man. So, sometimes, you know, sometimes I preach kind of hard to you and, and you think I'm, I don't like you and I'm mean. It's not that at all. I love you. I love you. And I want you to be the best you can be. So like my coach used to say to me, Harmon, quit wimping out. Come on, you can do it. I want to say, come on, you can do it too. You can be the best you but you got to put God first. So as you walk out the doors today, two things. Stop at one of these tables. we got them on both sides against the back wall. Pick up one of these manuals on our core values and then go out in the hallway and sign up for a C group. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about what small groups are. It will just pick up where I left off today and talk about all the benefits you're going to receive in being in a small group. So go pick you out a group, get involved in it. You'll be blessed by it. Those books are on both of these tables. There's enough for everybody to get a book. Take your offering and drop it in one of those black boxes. And when you do, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And God will bless you because of that. Come back on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We're going to have a great time as we learn more about the Lord. And in here in the adult service, it's going to be teen night. So our teens are going to be in charge. They're going to be leading the music. Brother Nathan's going to be preaching. And it's going to be exciting. So come Wednesday night for that. Tuesday at uh, the Texas Roadhouse. I love just saying that. <laughs> Texas Roadhouse. But, you know... Anyway, I'm not going to get into Texas and Texas Tech. I did live in Lubbock, Texas. It's, it's, it's hard for anybody to win in Lubbock, Texas, except those Red Raiders, right? I don't have, nobody likes Texas Tech in here except me and, me and my dad. Okay, Texas Roadhouse, that's what I'm talking about. Tuesday, go to Texas Roadhouse and buy you a big old fat steak and mention to them that you are supporting Puerto Rico. There's, there's actually, what's the phrase, Matt? Say it real loud. Which means island of enchantment. Just say Puerto Rico. They'll get it. And 10% of what you pay is going to go to support our ministry in Puerto Rico. So great fundraiser. You'll get a, a good meal, a good steak, and you can support a good cause as well, right? So there you go. Tuesday, see you at Texas Roadhouse. Between now and then, stay out of trouble. Have a great day. Enjoy your C groups this week. You're dismissed.